it. Played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three. Yes! One-point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three. Bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven-point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Simmers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Uh, it's been just uh, 48 hours or so since we last came at you. But you're listening to the Six Man Pod with me, Zach Barnett, and Cam Koenig up in Chicago land. And Cam, the Bulls stayed pat. What are you thinking on there from, man? Um, you know what? I'm fine with it because I just don't really believe that Chicago had the trade capital to really get anything done. Um, obviously other people were talking about, you know, maybe including Patrick Williams in a deal, um, you know, maybe including Derek White in a deal. Um, but I, I think that the, the Bulls may have kind of may have been a year ahead of schedule anyway, um, and I'm not I'm not too disappointed that they did not get a deal done. Like I said, I don't necessarily think they had the capital to move um, this year. I would hope that they are relatively active on the buyout market because, again, I do think they need to address the lack of uh, front court depth that they do have. Um, and I think, you know, any, any chance you have, any chance you have to go out and get, you know, a, a quality depth option, um, I think you should, you should, uh, and, you know, go from there. Yeah. Um, Tristan Thompson's kind of a name that really comes to my mind of like, you know, he's getting a butt out by Indiana most likely and would make a lot of sense for Chicago who really needs a, you know, another enforcer off their bench, but. You know, um, Patrick Williams does not make sense for, to move at all. Um, I would rate him as one of the highest players under the age of 25. Um, just offensively, his prowess is unreal. And he's growing as an offensive player. We'll see if the injury sets him back. But, you know, people are going to buy low on him right now. And <clears throat> if I'm the Bulls, I'm not moving him for a low price. So uh, it's definitely yeah, doesn't... Uh, just kind of looking here at the market, like, I don't know like Derek Favors could be an option. Robin Lopez could be an option. Um, you know, I don't know if Robin Lopez gets bought out. From what I understand, he loves it in Orlando. Him and his family spend a ton of time at uh, Disney World and Universal Studios. Oh, so, go. like, he may just stay down there. Um, he looked weird as hell coming in, playing, like, four minutes against the Pacers the other night. But, yeah, there's a lot of big guys who will probably be on the move. And like you said, I mean, the Pacers are probably going to be buying out a couple of people, um, you know, because there's no way Tristan Thompson stays in Indiana just long term. Let's start with the big one, though. Uh, the trade we kind of hinted at the other day where I said, hey, be on the lookout for a Ben Simmons, James Harden swap. That's it happens. And uh, 
I'm going to be straight up honest here. I don't know what Daryl Morey is doing, man. Uh, James Harden's probably going to have the worst contract of all time when he signs his next contract. He picked up his player option at almost $48 million, and you know he's going to want more than that. You're talking potentially Harden being the first player to get a three-year, $155 million contract, you know? And um, I don't really know how much Harden makes the Sixers that much better. Um, they gave up a lot to get him for a player you already knew you were going to get in the offseason. So what was your initial thoughts on this? Like, yes, he does help because Ben Simmons was a zero, but like, I can't imagine what they gave up for him is worth it all that much. Well, the first thing you said, I don't think that they have to worry about um, because this is not a, this is a 18 month flyer on James Harden. This is, this is Philadelphia pushing their, pushing their chips into the table for this year. Um, Obviously I think, you know, you had it, it, you had to get something for Simmons and I'm not entirely sure what you were going to get for him at this point. And then once you hear the rumblings that, Harden wants out of Brooklyn because of, you know, Kyrie's vaccination status uh, and just the uncertainty that that is causing the nets. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like both teams did pretty good here. Honestly, I think that the nets probably get the slight advantage because they do get the first round picks. They do get Andre Drummond, who is a very good bench option for them. Um, you know, they get a shooter in Seth Curry. So now the question is, okay, how are we going to play Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving together? Um, and I, I think that will probably figure itself out relatively easy. Um, but I, I like this deal for Philly. I think they, they needed somebody who they, they needed to get uh, Joel and beat some help. They got him some help. They needed to get, they needed to move on from Ben Simmons. They moved on from Ben Simmons. Um, and yeah, okay. That 40, that $48 million cap hit next year, it's fine, whatever. But if they win an NBA championship this year, or if they win an NBA championship next year, uh, Maury's not going to have to worry about it. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's going to worry about it regardless. I think this is just the cost of doing business in the NBA these days. Yeah, it is interesting. Also, Karnasova did come out and give a, uh, update on Patrick Williams today. Uh, he said at some point you'll see him this year. So I I like the odds, man. If he comes back, maybe you know late March, gets a couple weeks run there, and then can kind of be their ninth guy off the bench. It seems like uh, Bulls made a good move by not getting rid of him. Oh, yeah, I want to honestly. It's like like I said, I would. I would want them to go after a front court buyout option. You know, maybe somebody like Derek Favors. Um, I think if the Bulls can avoid Philly, then I think they have a chance to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's just a matter of avoiding Philly because I, I think Philly's Joel Embiid is single-handedly their worst matchup in the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I, after looking at these deals, man, 
I know why the, the Nets got Drummond, and it's because they need somebody to go be an Embiid stopper for 20 minutes a game while Ben Simmons and Katie are resting. And, you know, they, they gave an update on Simmons. He said he's probably a couple weeks away from being in game shape. Well, that's perfectly fine because I think Katie's still not going to be back till after the All-Star break. And, you know, the Nets are the Nets. Like, as soon as KD comes back, they live and die by him. And Seth Curry plus, you know, Kyrie Irving every other night should be enough to keep you afloat in the Eastern Conference. I think it'll be interesting to see what that lineup looks like because, to me, you know, depending on how big they want to go, you could go, you know, Kyrie, Seth Curry. Then you could have, like, Simmons, KD, Drummond. And then you're just playing this massive team, but, you know, everybody can move the ball well, even though Drummond's not, you know, a shooter. He can still help move the ball. He's always been a decent passer out of the post. So, yeah, I like I like the move for the Nets. I'm okay with it for the Sixers. I think they gave up a little bit too much, but overall, I the Nets, I think, are – you know, the ones to watch out for here. Uh, let's go to the next move here. Marvin Bagley gets moved. This was an interesting one because I think the Kings have won a trade finally. Like, they they, they actually got a good return for Marvin Bagley. First time – hey, there's a the first time for any – for everything, Yeah. Yeah, so four-team deal. Pistons get Marvin Bagley. The Bucks get Serge Ibaka and then two future seconds from Detroit, both protected, 31 to 45. The Kings get Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, Dante DiVincenzo, and the Clippers acquire Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale. And the the one for me uh, that sticks out here is Serge Ibaka to the Bucks, obviously. The Brook Lopez injury has been horrible for them. They've just haven't been able to recover since it happened. You know, they stayed afloat. I think they're third or fourth in the East. But now you have a proven guy who's won a chip. He's, you know, an proven shooter. He can help play defense. And he's going to give you 20 minutes a game. And, you know, even when Brook Lopez gets back, you're still talking about a guy who can give you good minutes in the NBA. Um, that's That's what you need now. You just need bodies for a team who, Definitely has a core there that's going to uh, get you to a, you know, title contention. I like Josh Jackson and DiVincenzo for the Kings. You know, they talked about everybody was worried about the Sabonis deal with losing shooters, and they should have moved Rashawn Holmes. But I always thought Bagley was the person you move. He probably had a little bit of a higher value just because he was so young. And they got, uh, you know, Trey Lyles has been around a while, but DiVincenzo, you know, as a shooter for them. Uh, playing with Sabonis, the pick and roll also makes a ton of sense. Pistons getting Bagley, it's a one-year flyer. You know, if he comes out and he gives them, you know, 15, 10, and 5 a game, they'll re-sign him and he'll be their, you know, front court guy in the future. And then Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale are just here for kind of salary filler. And the Clippers, you know, may keep him around for, you know, play-in, playoff push, whatever you want to call it, uh, if Kawhi and PG can come back this year. But Overall, um, what were your thoughts? You know, was there any anything that really stuck out here other than maybe the, uh, 
you know, the Kings and the Bucks both kind of getting a little bit better here? Well, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, that, that is what sticks out. I mean, you know, DiVincenzo is a decent pickup for Sacramento. Josh Jackson, like you said, decent pickup for Sacramento. Does, is this Trey Lyles? Is this like the second time that he's played with the Kings? Uh, second or third, maybe fourth. Uh, yeah, I swear um, the dude, he always ends up on either Utah I, or Sacramento. Is a, I think Ibaka is a really good pickup from Milwaukee. Um, and, you know, it's like, do the do the Bucks really need both Dante DiVincenzo and Pat Connington? Probably not. And, I mean, hey, this is a Sacramento team. They're coming off of a pretty big win against uh, Minnesota yesterday. You know, we were talking about, you know, the Kings have seemingly kind of pushed all in to try and get this uh, this 10 seed. Um, you know, there's still two and a half games behind New Orleans, but with Portland, um, you know, getting into the tank, San Antonio is, I wouldn't necessarily call it San Antonio is doing tanking, but they're definitely trying to reach. Oh, they're tanking. They're, they're hundred percent tanking. Okay. Yeah. They're tanking. Um, you know, the Lakers weren't able to get anything done. So yeah, maybe this is enough put to put Sacramento in that. You know, I, I, like we were saying on Tuesday, it's going to be between Sacramento and New Orleans um, for that 10 seed, we would think, unless, you know, Minnesota or either of the two L.A. teams fall off. Um, so, what, I, you know, how it, crazy would it be enough for Sacramento to get to kind of give them the edge in that uh, in that uh, battle with uh, the Pels? How crazy would it be if. Like the, the Lakers just like fall apart here. You know, they oh, lost last scary. night. I would lost so hard. They lost to the the a shell of the Trailblazers last night. Um that a game they should not have lost. I mean 107-105, but I mean I think the Lakers led most of the way and they kind of choked in Russell Westbrook's minutes and it's uh, Anthony Simons with the nice 29-point game. You know, like he did what he needed to do to get him the W, and I just – it makes me laugh so hard. Um, yeah, I think I think this was one of those, like, hey, good job, Kings. Like, we saw how good Sabonis and Fox can be together, and they're kind of now the Charlotte Hornets in the West where it's like – we're going to try to outscore you and that's how we're going to win. And we're not going to play a ton of good defense. Cause like they were on pace to score 155 points at one point last night. And they, I think they finished with 131. So um, the, the Fox Sabonis pairing already paying off Sabonis with a really good uh, debut. I think 22, 14 and five for him. Here's the next thing. Here's the next interesting thing that stuck out was the Celtics made a lot of cap saving moves, but also kind of took some flyers on players. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the Derek White trade. Uh, I've been a big fan of Derek White. He's been uh, kind of in the shadow because it's San Antonio. I don't hear a lot about them right now just because they've been pretty terrible this year. They trade away Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford in a future first. Um, which I think is a top 14 protection, then drops to top 13 protection, and then it goes into two seconds in the future if it doesn't convey. Um, 
you know, Richardson, probably not a part of that team long-term. Langford obviously struggled in Boston, really needs a coach who's going to ride his balls a little bit because he hasn't had it since high school. Um, obviously, being from New Albany, Indiana, we got to see a lot of him uh, growing up here. And so for, for the Celtics, they get another defensive guard who is a really good passer, and his shooting's fallen off this year, but a career 36% three-point shooter in Derek White. I really like this for the Celtics. I think they made another move that kind of cements them in that, like, play-in range and, you know, maybe helps them build towards the future here where they, you know, kind of look at uh, making some noise next year. You know, Derek White and Marcus Smart is one hell of a defensive backcourt. Throw in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then, of course, Williams in the middle. That's a, that's a really stellar defensive team. Um, and if that's what their goal was, they've definitely done it. Um, what was your thoughts here? Uh, obviously, some names in there that people probably haven't heard of. So. Yeah, I, I, I really like this trade for Boston. Um, you know, there's a, you know, they get, they get a little bit, they get a, you know, I think White is a, Derek White is a really good uh, addition for them. And I do think like he, I don't know what the necessarily the future of Marcus Smart is in Boston, but I do think that they can certainly pair Brown and Tatum with somebody like Derek White uh, and be uh, and and be really successful here. They also get a a little bit of a uh, of a of a reunion with uh, Daniel Tice, who's um, who played a really big role for them. You know, the past couple of years when he was there. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to be, you know, another really good, a really good, again, just continue to be a good option off the bench for them. Um, I don't necessarily see, you know, again, just with the state of the Eastern Conference at the moment where, you know, the top eight teams are all within five and a half points of each other. I do think like, you know, depending on where the, you know, depending on, you know, where the, how, how, how much the Nets start to turn it on, like Toronto, Boston, and Brooklyn. And I, I I'll, we'll assume that Brooklyn is going to finish in a top six uh, spot. But, you know, at that point you're looking at, you know, they got to make up a game on Boston. They got to make up a game and a half on Toronto. I would imagine Boston and Toronto are still going to have some, you know, firepower to stick around and kind of make that top six, top eight, um, you know, really intriguing in the in the eastern conference and like like i was saying you know this is a i think this is a this is a very good move for boston because i you know dennis schroeder was dennis schroeder you know you're not necessarily may or may not be getting the best out of him you know romeo langford langford definitely needed a um you know a a new some new scenery and you know to go for the most part like that Boston's, you know, middle of the first round picks, those are kind of, um, you know, those are easy to move. And with this draft class, like it's probably worth, um, you know, probably worth doing so. So I, I like this, I like this for Boston and, you know, if the Spurs can get, you know, if the Spurs end up with like, you know, a lottery pick and then like 15 or 16, like this is going to be just really great for them because you know they're the Spurs are going to hit on on fifteen or sixteen. 
Yeah. Um, and again, another deal they made was dumping Bull Bull and BJ Dozier um, for a future second round pick and cash to the Magic, you know. Yeah. And well, the important thing about that one, that was what got them under, that's what got Boston under the luxury tax, which is, you know, probably even more important for next year for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one here, um, the Raptors finally move up Goran Dragic. Uh, they get Thad Young, uh, Pistons second round pick, and Drew Eubanks, who's already been released. Uh, the Spurs get Goran Dragic and basically just a 2022 first round pick. So, I mean, Dad Young fetched him a lottery protected first, and they've already said they're going to buy out Goran Dragic, who plans to sign with the Dallas Mavericks, who made another trade we're going to talk about here in a minute. But th this one stuck out to me as kind of a, you know, sneaky good trade for Toronto. I I know people aren't super high on Thad Young and that, you know, you obviously don't watch a lot of basketball if that's the case, but Thad Young's going to give you 15 to 20 solid minutes of defense and rebounding. And for a Raptors team whose goal is to just like grind you into the dirt every game, that's what they needed. Goran Dragic was obviously not playing for them. They made that very clear. He's been training in Miami, in fact. He played, like, two games in a Raptors uniform. So, to get uh, Thad Young and a second-rounder out of Goran Dragic on a first is, I think, pretty fine. And overall, the Spurs, again, just acquiring draft assets. Um, you know, getting another pick in this this year's upcoming draft. I mean, they're kind of in a move where, you know, they're, they're, they could potentially have you know, pick seven, pick 15 and pick 17. And then now you have to make a decision. Like, is that enough to move up to pick four, pick three, you know, and uh, there, there's some really good young talent in this draft or do they maybe trade assets back and move back in drafts, whatever. Interestingly enough, um, I, you know, this trade deadline was like kind of quiet and then it, He's up. Pacers make some moves and uh, CJ McCollum's traded. And then it's quiet for a day. The only deal being Nikhil Alexander Walker, Wancho Hernan Gomez go to the Jazz. And then a bunch of like stuff gets thrown around basically, uh, including Joe Ingles' expiring salary. But some other moves that I, you know, the, and I'm using the athletics website, some other new uh, moves that make a lot of sense. Montrez Harrell's dealt to the Hornets um, in exchange for Vernon Carey Jr., uh, Ish Smith, who is back with the Wizards again, and a second round pick. Um, do you have any thoughts on that one, or is it just uh, throwing around deck chairs at this point? Yep. Let's, let's keep moving. Kristaps uh, Porzingis. This deal was massive. And by yes, massive, this I is, mean... This is the deal that I want to talk about. I think almost more than the Nets-Sixers deal. Is it possible that two teams lose a trade? Because I yeah, think... Absolutely. It ha I, I think it, this is a... You know, th this happens all the time. I feel like maybe in other sports, like... This is like one of the, this is like a, 
this is like a deal. This is like a, a, a deal at the baseball deadline where it's like you give up way too much of a prospect for somebody. Um, I do not get this deal at all on either side. <laughs> this is one of those like I, I both don't teams think that I think it's been proven that Kristaps Porzingis is a much better number two. Um, and if Washington is going to lose Beal, which is what they think we're, they're, we're, that it's going to happen, you know, at this point you're looking at Kristaps Porzingis being the guy in Washington. I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. And then Dallas actually takes on salary because Dinwiddie and Bertrands are like. $33 million this year. So it's like, unless they have a plan to get rid of David Bertrand's deal, which, you know, I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to, because I think he's making like $17 million next year. It just doesn't make sense to me unless like somebody in Dallas had it out for Porzingis and they're like, no, we got to get him out of here. Like, did, did he like, is he fooling around with somebody's girlfriend is like did this i i don't get this at all i just i don't get this deal at all because it's like you know if okay if dallas would have turned around and then traded jalen brunson for like a wing for like a starting wing then okay this deal makes a lot more sense to me because it's like okay we need to go get some, something for jalen brunson we'll give up porzingis and we will kind of rebuild the team around whoever this wing is going to be Dinwiddie and Luca, but now it's like, so what? You're going to tell me they're going to carry Dinwiddie and Brunson going into next year? They're going to re-sign Jalen Brunson to a to an extension after this? I don't get it. Like, it was was Porzingis that bad? Yeah, I I think what in my opinion this is where I would have went with this. Um, also the. Uh, Enos Cantor Freedom has been released by the uh, Rockets officially as well. Uh, I think what was probably happening is they thought we have an opportunity to get Jeremy Grant, but the Pistons don't want Kristaps Porzingis. So what if we get Davis Bertans, who's on a cheaper deal, and then we throw them Brunson and maybe like a first or something like that and go get Jeremy Grant. Here's what they didn't anticipate, and I think the deal probably fell apart to where they were like, well, we already have the Wizards' paperwork. We already have Dallas's paperwork, and Detroit's paperwork never came through, so I guess it's just a two-for-one trade where – at best, Dallas gets a guy who's going to score three threes a game and a decent point guard, and the Wizards get a very expensive seven-footer who's afraid to go into the paint. Like, <laughs> I just uh, – I don't really get it. But if, if this was their deal – if this was if this was what their idea was yeah if that was the theory that makes loads more sense than um you know whatever this was because this I, like like i'm saying this just 
it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, like I said, I, I think there was probably something there where they were, you know. I don't know to... how you do this deal without just bringing in the Pistons and 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 making the Pistons a part of this in the first yeah, place. Yeah, or, or, or I, if I don't you're not going to bring like if that's the plan, I don't like I it, I don't think you sign off on a deal like this and not have confirmation that you're going to get something done with Detroit. Like yeah. I, 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 Say like, yo, this is contingent on us flipping Jalen Brunson for Jeremy Grant. <sighs> yeah, or, or, or it's like, all right, hey, send Bertrands to Detroit. We take Grant. Here's Brunt. Here's Porzingis. Here's the first. Have Detroit throw in a second round pick. Give them, you know, like your thirteenth guy. I, I just that's. This was yeah, like, this deal just left me scratching my head. I it, like I said, you're throwing around a bunch of deck chairs. <laughs> it really makes no sense, man. I yeah, it's like it's like that trade in Moneyball. It's like, hey, like I need you to throw in one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or whatever, so you can uh, so you can fucking stock my soda machines in the clubhouse. It reminds me. It reminds me a lot of that uh, scene in Semi Pro, where they send off the, the washing machine, like to go get a player to play for them for the rest of the ABA season. Like, yeah, it's like I don't know. I, I guess we'll see because it's like this is not the deal that I thought Dallas needed to make. Um, but I guess it'll be interesting to see because like Dinwiddie's like the number two option in Dallas. At this point, right? How is he going to play next to Tim Hardaway is the better question, right? Like, Dinwiddie and Tim Hardaway, to me, are the same player. Like, in fact, they're 28 and 29. They have pretty much the same, like, averages other than Tim Hardaway sucks at passing the ball, apparently. And I mean, like, Bertrand's is going to have to start for them, right? I have no idea. I, or it's like who I knows guess, what? I who guess knows what goes on in the head of David. I guess they really like uh, Dwight Powell. All I know is that that both teams lost this deal, and if Detroit really was supposed to be in it, and they just decided at the last second not to go in on it, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> uh, everything I've read says that Detroit was supposed to be in this deal too. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is <laughs> this ain't good. Uh, some other deals that uh, went around at the deadline. The Pacers took another flyer out on a player and got another three million or four million in expiring salary, acquiring Jalen Smith from the Suns with a second round pick for Tory Craig. Yeah, I'm telling you what, man. I don't know what got into the Pacers. You know, the team that usually doesn't make mid-season acquisitions, but uh, I, I'm all for it. Today was literally just cracked out, just all the deals that happened. It was awesome. Yeah, no, this is another, I, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, Jalen Smith, also one of those players probably just need, needed a change of scenery. Um, I saw a few rumors that Jalen Smith may get flipped somewhere here, but, you know, now that we're, here, 335 Central, 435 
Eastern, maybe not at this point. So I guess that kind of get, he's kind of like your, you know, at, at least, you know, physically, defensively, you know, can do a lot of what Miles Turner does. Um, and that's kind of the bigger surprise. Like, Zach, how shocked are you to still see Miles Turner on this team? You know, I'm not. They weren't going to get what they wanted for him. Um, it makes all the sense in the world for this team to literally just like have Turner, have Brogdon, have Warren on this roster. And then, you know, if Warren pops, you keep him around on a one and one deal. If Brogdon somehow can make it work, you might be able to keep him. But I, I imagine that we'll see a Brogdon Turner kind of revitalization after the tra- or after the All-Star game. And then at this point, like probably get him out of here. Um really interesting. I I, I don't understand the whole <clears throat> I don't, I don't understand every move the Pacers made, but I would rate all of them highly. I think that they did very well in all of them, and Brogdon will probably fetch you a pretty good haul in the offseason um, as, you know, definitely the Pacers' best player this season when he plays. Uh, and then Turner, again, if he can show he's a 15-7-3 and three blocks guy every game who can shoot the three at 40%, it's really hard for a team to be like, no, nah, we don't want him. Um, the, the, the team I was really surprised with, you know, not really doing anything is the Lakers, obviously, you know, they've been dog shit the last several weeks and. No, LeBron told me it was all going to be okay. (sighs) Um, no, I, I know that there were some rumors that the Lakers were trying to get Terrence Ross, um, from Orlando. That would have been a nice move for them um the lakers i i think are kind of in a similar situation that the bulls were in not necessarily from a depth standpoint but or like a but from a the lakers didn't necessarily have the assets to go out and get anybody standpoint because the the lakers just don't really have any tradable assets at the moment outside of like, I don't know, Kendrick Nunn, is that their most, is that their most tradable asset? And I don't think he hasn't played this year. Who knows? I don't know if they were going to move off of him. Um, They weren't moving Taylor Horton Tucker. Nobody fucking wants him. No one's going to take Horton Tucker. No one's going to take Russell Westbrook's dog shit contract. Um, Malik Monk is again probably too valuable to move. Is they can't move him. Um, so I, like I like I was saying, they are going to have to try and get somebody in the in the buyout. And I don't know who would you if you were the Lakers, who would you be going after in the buyout market? Like I don't even know who they're. Re- who there really is to go after. I mean, Dragic doesn't move the, the move anything, in my opinion, unless you can convince Russell Westbrook to come off the bench. Like, you know, right. I, I mean, okay, let's, maybe let's, Ish Smith, maybe Ish Smith gets bought out and like you go that route. Maybe the Rockets buy out Schroeder. 
I don't, I don't know, man. This was, uh, you know, they had. Uh, so here, they had let's, to... let's see. Short list of buyouts. Um, do the Lakers, Dennis Schroeder? That that makes the most sense, but um, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, no way. Tomas Sadoransky, Gary Harris, Mike Muscala. Robin Lopez, Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson in LA would be problematic. And then let Derek Favors. Here's the here's the here, here's how the Pacers, here's how the Pacers did uh during the deadline. So they trade out Lavert, Savonis, Craig, Lamb, and Holiday. We get the first round pick of Cleveland. The 33rd pick in the draft of the Houston second rounder, a son's future second rounder, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, Jalen Smith, and Ricky Rubio. I'd say it's a pretty big win in my opinion, especially if you're trying to rebuild your team entirely. That's called rebuilding. And I, from what I understand, there's a few people who there's a few people who really didn't understand that Rick Carlisle was pulling a lot of strings in this, apparently. I think people need to realize, yeah, he was definitely the one pulling the strings for this these deals to happen. Um, definitely be interesting to see what happens from here on out, but you know, a lot of these teams, the teams who needed to get worse got worse. You know, the Pacers actually helped themselves with the lottery odds by making Sacramento a better team. Um, you know, they're, I think, two games ahead of San Antonio in the tankathon. You know, Portland could catch up, but right now the Pacers are pretty much locked into a top-five pick, uh, which is kind of crazy uh, that we're even having this conversation right now. But um, the, one, the one player, uh, I want to close with this. Why wasn't John Collins moved? I'm sorry. What? I why, why? Why wasn't John Collins moved? I I'm the, sitting. The same reason Miles Turner wasn't moved. You couldn't get the couldn't get the asking price for it. And at at a certain point, like obviously Atlanta, um, you know, still has Trey Young. John Collins is still a really good number two option. Um, and hey, maybe you can kind of bring. Miles Turner back in how or kind of you know soothe his soothe his concerns. He gets more touches with Sabonis gone. He's a bit more of a focal point. Um, you know, once he comes back from his foot injury, we see how he does, and maybe he gets moved in the offseason for a higher price than what they could have gotten now. Um, I think you know, you could probably maybe say that a lot with John Collins as well. You know, let's see where Atlanta finishes. Um and maybe somebody takes a takes a swing at him in the in the off season. but you know they, they again they probably just weren't um, you know they just weren't Atlanta Indianapolis just weren't getting you know what they wanted for those two guys. And it could just be there could just be a you know like like we we're saying there could be some uh, potential locker room concerns. You never know. I just look at like Memphis or like 
God forbid, Utah. They're like half a step away. And so I was wondering, like, does Memphis do like uh, Stephen Adams and slow-mo Kyle Anderson for John Collins? Well, Atlanta's not taking that deal, so. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, you throw in picks because, like, Memphis is in a spot right now where they have a lot of draft assets that they don't really need or want to use. They have this insanely young core who's proven what they are. You know, you look at Jai, you look at Triple J, DeAnthony Melton, who's been very good. Jarrett Culver hasn't been anything in the NBA for some reason. But you look at, like, Killian Tilly, Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, like, all these 25 and under guys who have been really good. And then you can even throw Dylan Brooks in there. He's only 26. You know, you maybe move your two older guys. You go get John Collins, he's 24, and kind of run around with that. I think it definitely makes them better in the long term and short term. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything, you know, shakes out at the end of all of this. Um Memphis is going to get really expensive really quickly. So we could really see, I could really see them moving off players like Zaire Williams this off season to go get like a franchise big or something like that. Really shake up the roster because, you know, Zaire keeps on his trajectory. We already know just how good Desmond Bain is. Like he's going to get a ton of money. Um, You know, players like that, it, and they're 38 and 18, man. They've and they didn't make a move today. They're one of the, you know, they haven't moved, made a move at all this season. They've just been staying the course. They've been really good. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the offseason, what ends up happening. Um, so Cam, I gotta ask you. End of the day, do you like where Chicago ended up after the trade deadline after not making any moves? Because I I would argue that them staying pat, maybe getting obviously getting Levine, Ball, and Caruso back healthy is their acquisitions, and then of course Patrick Williams later. You know, I, I yeah, like where the Bulls I, actually. I, I would up. agree with that. I think those are going to be their acquisitions. You can you're going to have to think about the Bulls getting healthy as their acquisitions. Um, I, I like I'm just saying. I still think you know, depending on who the matchup is that the bull, I still really like the bulls in the Eastern conference, as long as they can dodge Philadelphia in the first two rounds. Um, I think, you know, right now, right now they'd be playing Toronto. And then the winner of Milwaukee and Boston, Boston or Milwaukee and Brooklyn, which that'd be an insane. Brooklyn's going to, I mean, Brooklyn's going to move up Brooklyn. I think, at worst, will be the f- sixth seed. <laughs> Could you imagine that having to play Brooklyn as your opening round? I mean, that's also Ugh. not where you want to be. Uh, because it's crazy. Then, like because that it's a, like that's the thing. There there are two people that the Bulls can't guard in the Eastern Conference, and it's Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid, and. Those are two guys who will murder you if you can't guard them and who will win a series by themselves if you can't guard them. Um, you know what's crazy? I think, I so think like, probably the weakest 
of the top seeds in the East. Who? I think Miami's the weakest of the top seeds in the East. Like all yeah, the teams who I want to play, Miami's one of them versus Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Brooklyn. Like I want to play Miami. I want to play Boston or I want to play Atlanta. I, I don't want to play Charlotte. I don't want to play Toronto. Like <laughs> there's so many teams out East. That I don't want to be playing in the first round. Obviously the, can't first avoid round them all. The, the first round of the Eastern conference playoffs is going to be insane because like you could probably make an argument for six teams coming out of the East. Now I think Probably the two strongest arguments at the moment, I think, are Philadelphia and Brooklyn. But depending on where how the seeding unfolds, like the East could get very interesting. And you know, it, it, the East, like that's the thing. Like, all of the focus, I focus, I think, is going to be on the East because the West, it's going to be pick two: Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis. And I don't see any other teams really being a threat to get to the Western Conference Finals. Maybe Utah thing can stay healthy, but, you know, they haven't proven it before, so. So, like, you're looking at the East. It's like, I don't know what, like, the, you know, we're going to have to start looking up strength, uh, you know, remaining strengths of schedules here pretty quickly to figure out, like, what the, you know, what the odds for the Eastern Conference is because it's going to get, interesting here quick you know if like okay if the bulls have to play toronto let's say everything by some for some reason let's say everything stands pat and you know brooklyn has to and everyone everyone in the top of the east stays relatively hot um you know boston let's move brooklyn up to the seventh seed because i do think brooklyn is going to be better is going to be able to make a game up on boston They'll probably even be able to make a game up on, you know, up on Toronto. So it's like now you're looking at, okay, Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Chicago, Cleveland. I mean, that's going to be tough. And if like if the if the Bulls are looking at a first round series against Brooklyn, then they're going to have to. You better hope Patrick Williams is ready to play because he's probably going to get most of the assignments on Durant. I mean, if they, if you have to play Embiid, if you have, if like they somehow end up as like the four seed with Philly or the five seed with Philly as the four, then you're going to have to, you're going to get killed by Embiid. Um, I think if you're the Bulls, you hope that you can like kind of sneak into like the two seed, you know, and maybe you play Boston or Toronto in the first round and then, you know, maybe Cleveland can upset Philadelphia or, you know, if, if Brooklyn has some chemistry concerns, then you go from there. But the East is going to be very, very interesting. All right. I'm going to ask you, who was your biggest winner of the trade deadline? Philadelphia. Phil, let me, let me, Philadelphia and Brooklyn, I think are tied. Because I think that that is a win-win deal. Both teams got exactly what they needed. Um, you know, like like we've said before, Phil, Brooklyn needed to get rid of or Philadelphia needed to get rid of Ben Simmons. 
They did. I think James Harden, Joel, and Joel Embiid are probably now the best one-two punch in the league. And Brooklyn, and Brooklyn, I think, is going to get a fresh start with Ben Simmons. And, you know, maybe – and I think they can probably figure out a way to get the best out of him. And him playing with Brooklyn, I, I think, is going to be – a little bit easier for him because I, I do think that, you know, he doesn't have to be the offensive focus. They have like three, three guys maybe in front of him that he doesn't have to, all he has to do is like pick and roll with pick and roll with Andre Drummond, LaMarcus Aldridge, go up for a layup or kick out to, you know, Seth Curry in the corner or Kevin Durant on the wing um, I think Ben Simmons is going to enjoy playing in Brooklyn. Um, and he does make them better. He does make them a lot better defensively too. So him and Drummond are, make Brooklyn much better defensively. So, you know, I, I think you have to give the a joint first place to Philadelphia again, just for getting rid of Simmons and getting James Harden and Brooklyn for, I think really very making themselves much more, dangerous than they already were and, and, oh, and avoiding any James Harden Kyrie Irving drama that was good, that had a chance to blow up I want to give it to Brooklyn but I really I don't think I can I, I think I'm actually going to go with the, the Toronto Raptors and it's because they didn't give up Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, and they actually got better. You know, they, they, they get the rest of the season at that young. They, you know, they've already released Drew Eubanks, but, but really the big thing they did was they stayed pat. They've, they've been on a heater recently. I think they've won seven or eight in a row. They have a really solid core here, and they didn't mess with it. They said, let's give it another go. And instead of trading Siakam for pieces, let's go just get another depth piece. Um, and it didn't cost them much to go get Thad Young. So I'm going to give them the big win here because I think everything being equal in the East, they are the most dangerous team potentially out of the Eastern Conference coming out of all these deals. Um, just because this is, again, Dad Young throws into this mix of we can switch you one through five and make your life a living hell. Uh, yeah, I, I like that move a lot. So let's go to the complete opposite side. Who would you one say? One, I, I will say one of the favorites in the East is going – they're going to make – you know, one of the top four seeds in the East work for it in the first round. And that is going to be a hell of a struggle if they do get past, if that team were to get past Toronto, that's a, you could say it's like, what, what, what do they have left in the tank going into yeah. like the conference semifinals? 100%. Now let's go to who's your biggest loser. Just because I don't understand the deal, I, I think it's Dallas. 
because like you said, I have, I just, I just don't know what their, I just don't know what their strategy is going to be. And this, again, this just feels to me that it's, that this isn't a, a deal that needed, that they needed to do. Um, I think they gave up. I, I don't think they needed to move on from Porzingis. I don't necessarily know how they're going to play Doncic, you know, Luca, Hardaway, Brunson, Dinwiddie. And you're asking at this point, you're going to be asking a lot from like Dwight Powell and, you know, Maxi Claver and whatever you can get out of like Bertrand's. I'm going to go with Portland. And it's because I just don't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, obviously, their goal was to open up cap space, which they did. They'll now have almost $40 million before they're anywhere near the tax. When I look at the moves they made, and they just don't make any sense at all. I mean, I just... I really liked the deal that they made for CJ McCollum, but the deal they made giving up on Gary Trent, uh, you know, to go get, you know, these two players who you end up throwing away for practically nothing to the Clippers, right? You know, just for like Eric Bledsoe. Well, that's not very good. You know, Keon Johnson, you're taking a flyer on. But then the other guy who you acquired to take a flyer on, you end up dealing to Utah so you can get Joe Ingles. Like, make them make sense. Because I, 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 if you would have asked me yesterday and the Suns didn't do anything today, I would have said the Suns were the biggest loser here. But now I'm seeing what Portland did, and I'm like, if I'm Dave, I'm getting the hell out of here. I have no idea what their goals are because they don't know what their goals are, and this is not good. Um, I will say this. I don't, I don't know what Dallas is doing, but it is Mark Cuban. So, like, at the end of the day, they're going to be fine just because Mark Cuban will throw money at it until everything is fine, you know? If it was the Pacers making that kind of move, I know the owner, that ownership wouldn't give a shit. So it's like, what do you do here? But Kim, last, last question for you. We've seen all the deals. We obviously don't know who's on the buyout market yet. But just based strictly on deals made during the trade deadline, who would you say is going to meet in the NBA Finals? This podcast is sponsored in part by Fanatics. Fanatics offers the broadest assortment of fan merchandise and memorabilia worldwide from all your favorite leagues and sports, not just the NBA and NCAA like we talk about here, but also the NFL. And I'm in the market for some new Packers gear myself, and with Fanatics selection, I can choose between jerseys, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, even face masks, tailgating equipment, and stuff for my pets and I'm leaning towards getting a nice sweatshirt myself. You can also shop MLB, NHL, NASCAR, and all your favorite soccer leagues around the globe. Order now and get free U.S. shipping on any and all orders over $29 using code 29SHIP. Again, 
That's 29SHIP29SHIP. And now, back to the podcast. Phoenix and Philadelphia. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people here are saying Philly should be the favorite to win the title. And I don't know if I believe it until I see Harden do it in the playoffs, man. I can't, I can't put him there. If I had to pick right now, I think it'll be Milwaukee and Phoenix again. I, I mean, Giannis is still, like, the best player in the NBA. Like, I just – he's so damn good. Um, and they got a deal done for their only position of need. that didn't really cost them a lot. They managed to keep Bobby Portis. You know, they kept Grayson Allen as much as I hate him. Overall, like, I look at this team and I'm like, yeah, I, I think they match up very well against everybody in the East. Um, you know, they I think their matchup with Brooklyn got a lot worse. But I think if they can avoid Brooklyn, they'll be fine. And at this point, man, Phoenix is light years ahead of everybody out West. They've, they continue to just be the best team night in, night out. And now, you know, again, getting Torrey Craig back from the Pacers is a massive deal. I mean, like, Jalen Smith wasn't playing, so you replace a guy who's not playing, throwing in a second-round pick for a guy who's going to be your 10th option. Um, and then also getting Aaron Holiday for cash, you know, who's going to be your basically your 11th man. Like, yeah, they. I, I think they had a really good trade deadline, and they got lucky that, you know, the Warriors didn't make any moves. The The teams around them stayed put. Um, and I think that that goes a long, a long way in helping them. So, yeah, and right now I'd say it's Phoenix NBA Finals to lose, even though if you want to bet on it, uh, the betting favorites are now the Sixers. And Yeah. So uh, here's, here's something that I looked up. And this is, this is 538 uh, predictions. This is, this was updated to earlier this morning, though. So this hasn't been, um, you know, this has not been, this th doesn't have any trades factored in at the moment. But there, here's one through eight in the Eastern Conference. Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Cleveland, Chicago, Toronto, Brooklyn. So you would have the Bulls and the Sixers. I already know how that would go. The Heat and Brooklyn, I mean, Brooklyn will move up. But their, current, their full strength, their top two teams are apparently Boston in the East and Phoenix in the West. You know, Boston did open up five roster spots today, which is something yeah. kind of under the radar. Um, maybe they get active in the buyout market. Um, that's really not what I would anticipate them doing, but like – Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do think Milwaukee, you know, again, continues to be uh, overlooked. 
I do think they are, everyone's talking, they are an underrated team. I just think like the way Joel Embiid is playing this year, this year, and, you know, if James Harden, if, I mean, I, I could legitimately see a universe where like those two are averaging like 60 points a night, maybe 55. Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't, I'm, I don't know, man. Harden's got to prove something to me. He's bailed out on his last two teams and he's been to one finals his entire NBA career and he's had teams around him. So I know it ain't that, you know? And so I, I don't know. Everybody's like super high on this. I, for me, I'm, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Uh, Cause if you ask me right now, like if it's just Harden and it's just, Embiid, like I can't even trust Embiid to stay healthy, you know, for 75% of the season. So I don't know. It, it's just one of those things. Uh, well, Cam, it was fun. It was fun getting to uh, chat with you as we've done all week. Let's, we're going to do an NCAA primer coming up later. Talk Probably about all things like Monday or Tuesday. Uh, there's some all things mid majors. There's some Big games come out too. On Saturday, um, interesting games over the weekend. Let's see if there's anything. I else. did see IU reinstated their five suspended players today. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that a little, just like real quick here, like just for a minute, yeah. minute or two at the end? Yeah, IU might have blew their chance on the bubble, man. I, I here. So here's the thing. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think I know IU. Now, the, here's IU's problem is they have a very tough schedule. Like I know we were talking earlier about um, you know Notre Dame being uh, top of the ACC at the moment. They have a very easy schedule. Indiana does not. And if, if you'll excuse me, as a fire truck goes past my apartment for a split second, um, they have at Michigan State versus Wisconsin, at Ohio State, and then they finish Maryland, Minnesota, Rutgers, and then at Purdue. I can see a world where they are three and four to end of the season, and that puts them at 10 and 10 uh, in the Big Ten, and now you're kind of looking at they probably need to win – at one or two games in the tournament, but like I was like how I was kind of saying, and we will talk about this on Monday. I think the bubble is a lot smaller this year. I do think Indiana will be fine, and I understand why. I understand why Woodson needed to do it. You know, they they probably still should have won that game against Northwestern. Like TJD had a had a had a stinker. Yeah, he's been uh, having some really up and down games here lately. I wonder if he's still not injured. I know he says he's fine and everything, but you know he had that pretty nasty injury going back a few games, and he hasn't really looked the same since. You know, tonight in college basketball, Purdue should be on upset alert against Michigan. I understand Michigan's been pretty weak this year, but it's still Michigan in Ann Arbor. That's not an easy game or place to play. And they made the last game against Purdue pretty close. So, I mean, it's it's one of those, like, eh, if that, that home court can swing it, it's uh, going to be a pretty big upset there. 
Um, Murray State, 22 and 2, 12 and 0 in the Ohio Valley right now. Uh, 25th in Ken Palm, too, at the moment. They've been on a tear here recently. Um, I really like what they're doing down there. They've got some really good young players, and you know, they can make some noise in the tournament as a five or six seed. I think well, Lenard, Lenardi has them as a 10 at, at the moment. If I were a seven seed, uh, I would rather play legitimately anybody else. Yeah. Um, if I was a two seed, I'd be pissed. <laughs> like, I, 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 like I, I think Murray State could probably get it. If, you know, if, if Murray State is in the eight to 10 range, this their their one or two seed is going to be pissed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then another interesting thing here, of course, was last night there was a ton of upsets. Uh, you know, and that might change the landscape again of college basketball because you had teams like Cincinnati who've been on the outside looking in. Uh, or not Cincinnati, sorry, SMU. SMU. Pick up a pick up a massive win against Houston, you know, they, they trailed early in that game and they battled back. Oklahoma picks up another win in the Big 12, you know, knocking off Texas Tech at home. And that game wasn't even close in the second half. I mean, Oklahoma went on a tear and just, it was brutal to watch. Uh, Rutgers knocks off Ohio State. You know, Rutgers is eight and five. Do you think there's a world where Rutgers gets into the the dance here or is they are they still on the outside looking in um they're probably still on the outside looking in for now um obviously they have a couple you know they have the win against purdue um you know ohio state is a good win um the the committee the, those are home wins I, and and the committee does um really really look at the at the road wins um i don't really i don't know what like their net what their quad one record is at the moment um but you know they're eight and five in the big ten um but you know they have some opportunities uh against wisconsin against illinois against purdue or wisconsin twice Uh, they have an opportunity against iu they have an opportunity against michigan i think rucker's problem is they have some bad losses um, you know, they've lost, they lost to DePaul, they lost to Lafayette, they lost to UMass, um, they've lost to Penn State, they've lost to Minnesota, they lost to Maryland. So I think Rutgers probably needs, so they have a game, they have Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, I would say they may need to win at least one of those games, they probably, and they'll probably need to beat Michigan and Indiana. And then again, you need to probably win a game in the Big Ten tournament. Because right now, Joe Lenardi only has seven Big Ten teams in. Um, I think the cutoff is probably IU. So it's like Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, Michigan State, Ohio State. And then you're probably like Indiana is probably closer to the bubble than they would want to be. Iowa is probably closer than they want to be. Um, and then that's when I would probably, I'd probably put Rutgers in as like that eighth team. Rutgers and Michigan are like eight and nine in the Big Ten. Here we go. Uh, wild week to 
till we get to March, just uh, 18 days away. And then uh, it'll be that time, time of year again. So my favorite uh, time. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Kim, for uh, hanging out with me for an hour, hour and a half here. And uh, thanks to you, the listener, wherever you might be listening and wherever this goes live. We're going to, like I said, do a big old NCAA breakdown and, you know, maybe when Mark stops being a bum, he can join us on one of these episodes and we'll <laughs> get it taken care of with him. Uh, but for now, I'll take care of another episode of the Six Man Pod.